0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: Think of the idols in our culture today, that people think, if I can just get this, or if I could just be this, or if I could just be identified with this group of people or whatever, and, and what's the whole drive? The whole drive is, when I attain to this, then I'm going to be fulfilled, then I'm going to be satisfied, then I'm going to reach all of my potential, but it never happens. Because idols are deceptive.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Ezekiel chapters 6 through 11. Now, here's
1: Pastor Brian. So, Ezekiel is where we happen to be in our Through the Bible study, and we're picking up in chapter 6, and we're actually going to make our way through 11. I know I said five chapters, but we're going to go through 11 because that will bring us to the end of a a series of events and rather than leave us hanging for the very end of those events I'd like to just finish that up. So so we'll jump in and we will we'll be right on time. So if you have your Bible and you haven't opened it, it's open to Ezekiel 6. Okay, so chapter 6 and 7 are are basically judgment. And remember we saw last week how really the first 24 or so chapters of Ezekiel are, are pretty much focusing on the judgment that is in process and the judgment that will finally totally come with the destruction of Jerusalem. So in these, these two chapters here, it's pretty much just, looking at that reality that is occurring. And there, there's a couple of verses in six that I think I will come back to at the end. So we won't look at that right now. But just in chapter seven, this stood out to me. You know, in, in the midst of talking about this judgment, it says in verse 19, it says, they will throw their silver into the streets and their gold will be treated as a thing unclean. Their silver and gold will not be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. And, you know, I just thought, you know, these are the things that the the people of Israel had put their hope and their trust in and turned their backs on the Lord. And, of course, the children of Israel aren't the only people to ever do that you know the bible has much to say about uh, the love of money and, and and the pursuit of riches and and those kinds of things and and of course this is what the world says life is all about get all you can and yet in in these desperate times like we're reading about here it just becomes so apparent how worthless All of that is. And I think, uh, you know, we've seen this so many times, right, where the the wealthiest people in the world, they're stricken down with a terminal illness or one of their loved ones has an incurable disease or something like that. And all that they put their confidence in throughout their whole lives and, and the means through which they gained all of this notoriety and power and so forth... At those moments, it's just like, it it can't do anything. It's powerless. And that's where the people had come to. All the things that they cherished and all the things that they uh, had replaced the Lord with, now they're absolutely meaningless. So just a little bit of a side note there. So so let's go to chapter 8. And I'm, I'm actually going to read more than I normally would read because, you know, we're trying not to end up reading a ton of verses together. But, but I think these warrant a reading and to just follow the story as it unfolds here. And so in the sixth year, in the sixth month, on the fifth day, while I was sitting, so of course this is Ezekiel speaking, I was sitting in my house And the elders of Judah were sitting before me. The hand of the sovereign Lord came on me there. I looked and I saw a figure like that of a man. From what appeared to be his waist down, he was like fire. And from there up, his appearance was as bright as glowing metal. So the vision now that Ezekiel is having is it's almost well, it is in many ways, it's identical to the vision that he described in the first chapter. The context is just a little bit different, but he's seen the same, he's seen the same figures. And so here he's seen this person that's probably the Lord that he's seen, but he's gonna see the the cherubim, the wheels within the wheel, the throne of God. So Everything that we read about in those first couple of chapters, he's having another vision of those things here. And so verse 3, he stretched out what looked like a hand and took me by the hair of my head. The Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven, and in visions of God, he took me to Jerusalem. So remember, Ezekiel is in Babylon. And so they're in Babylon. The elders of Judah are, are there, you know, gathered around and, and all of a sudden, he goes into, I, I don't know, you know, it probably before them, it looked like he went into a trance or something, uh, but he's, he's taken now in these visions, and he's transported, he's not bodily transported to Jerusalem, but he's, he's taken there. And so it says that he was taken to the entrance of the north gate of the inner court, where the idol that provokes to jealousy stood. And there before me was the glory of the God of Israel, as in the vision I had seen in the plain. So now he's saying what I what I previously saw. Remember, we talked about he was by the river Kibar. And so now he's saying, This is the same vision uh, that I saw. But notice what he says: He says, the idol that provokes to jealousy. So, so they're in the temple at this time. Now, again, remember, the handwriting's on the wall. Many, many people, most of the people of Judah have been carried off into captivity. But there's, there's still a remainder in the city. There's still this idea that somehow we're gonna get out of this. God's not gonna let us be overtaken And but the craziest thing of all is they have an idol erected in the temple. Now it doesn't tell us what the idol is here, but if you go back to the days of Manasseh, when Manasseh was the king, he brought in all kinds of idolatry to Jerusalem. Remember, he was he had the longest reign in the history of Judah, he reigned 55 years, and he was basically the most the most wicked and idolatrous of all the Judean kings. And, and yet he was taken captive uh, to Assyria, and there in Assyria he repented. And he was released from captivity. He came back to Jerusalem. And it tells us in Chronicles that there, he had placed an Asherah pole in the temple the Nashur pole was a wooden pole uh, through which they worshiped the, the fertility goddess Asherah. And Manasseh got rid of it. And then we find that after the death of Manasseh, it was replaced, and then Josiah got rid of it. And so what probably happened is now after the death of Josiah, it's probably been brought back into the temple. So the temple has an idol in it, and the presence of the Lord is there as well, as he said. And so he said, son of man, look toward the north. So I looked, and in the entrance of the north gate of the altar, I saw the idol of jealousy. And he said to me, son of man, do you see what they are doing? The utterly detestable things Israelites are doing here." things that will drive me far from my sanctuary. But you will see things that are even more detestable. So here's this idol in the temple. This is the Lord saying, do you see what they're doing? This is gonna drive me out, but I'm gonna show you even worse things than this. And so he brought me to the entrance of the court. I looked and I saw a hole in the wall. He said to me, son of man, now dig into the walls. So I dug into the wall and saw a doorway there. And he said to me, go in and see the wicked and detestable things they are doing here. So I went in and I looked and I saw portrayed all over the walls, all kinds of crawling things and unclean animals and all the idols of Israel. In front of them stood 70 elders of Israel and Jaasaniah, son of Shephan was standing among them. Each had a censer in his hand and a fragrant cloud of incense was rising. And so here he sees these elders of Israel and he sees them basically standing before these idolatrous images and worshiping with their incense censers. So these are probably priests, but they're worshiping these idols, and then he mentions this Jozaniah, son of Shaphan, and it's interesting because it's almost like Ezekiel. Remember, he's he's in he's in Babylon, but now he's transported here. Now this man is a, he's of the family of Shaphan. Shaphan is a he is part of a godly remnant, and many of his descendants are also godly remnant, but. Ezekiel is being shown that this one is part of this idolatrous group that is revolting against the Lord. So it's like this guy is exposed. God exposes him to the prophet when he takes him in this vision there. And so he said to me, son of man, have you seen what the elders of Israel are doing in the darkness, each at the shrine of his own idol? They say the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. And again, he said, you will see them doing things that are even more detestable. So their thing was, oh God, you know, the Lord's showing Ezekiel the the secret hidden things. So they think they're being hidden, but God sees. That's what's being declared here. So verse 14, then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord. And I saw women sitting there mourning the God Tammuz. And he said to me, do you see this son of man? You will see things that are even more detestable than this. Now, maybe you remember back in the study of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah, there's references to the fact that the women were worshiping the queen of heaven. They were making these little cakes to the queen of heaven. And the queen of heaven would have been a a Babylonian deity. And so Tammuz was another Babylonian deity. And so Judah has just embraced the idolatry of the nations. You know, I was reading Samuel the other morning. And remember how the children of Israel, they they desperately wanted a king. And what they said is, give us a king so we can be like the other nations. And so they had this thing where they were just longing to be like everyone else. And you know, Samuel is grieved. He's, he just cannot believe that that is where their hearts are at. And he's broken before the Lord. And the Lord says, Samuel it 's not you that they're rejecting it 's me that they're rejecting, and so we see this working itself out. They want to be like the other nations, and so following after these these other gods and goddesses now Tammuz was the it's like the spring vegetation god, and so you know all of these idolatrous cults that were in in the Canaanite world and spread throughout the whole world. They were, they were all essentially the same. They just went under different names in different locations. But it was all about the, the, the reproduction cycle. And so these are agricultural communities. And so they're dependent on the rain. They're dependent on the seed. They're dependent on all of these things. And so the Canaanites worship these false gods Thinking that if they honored them, then they would be blessed in their produce and their, their crops would be plenteous and healthy and all of this stuff. And so Israel, from the very earliest days of coming into the land, they get drawn into this. You know, remember, Israel comes out of Egypt and they come out of 40 years in the wilderness and they come into this land that has to be cultivated and is dependent on, you know, this whole cycle to produce the agriculture. And so the, the Canaanites, they manage all that through these false gods. But of course, the Lord says to Israel, hey, don't do any of that. I'm the one who made everything. I'm the I'm the creator." trust me look to me but they never did they they were always drawn away to that and now here we see it's just with tammuz again it's the same sort of thing they just keep going back to these things that they think are going to bless them they think that these things are going to prosper them they think that these things are going to guarantee their well-being they're going to guarantee their health and their success and yet they never do. They, they bring about their demise. And of course, that's an idol is something that you, you dedicate yourself to this because you, you think that this thing is going to do for you that deep thing that you need to have done. I mean, think of the idols in our culture today that people think if I can just get this, or if I could just be this, or if I could just be identified with this group of people or whatever. And and what's the whole drive? The whole drive is when I attain to this, then I'm going to be fulfilled. Then I'm going to be satisfied. Then I'm going to reach all of my potential. But it never happens because idols are deceptive. They fool people into thinking that that's what they're going to deliver. But They do not deliver. They deliver just the opposite, really. And so he goes on and he says, again, you'll see even more detestable things in this. Then he brought me into the inner court of the house of the Lord. And there at the entrance to the temple between the portico and the altar were about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east. They were bowing down to the sun in the east. So notice the posture. Their backs are, they've turned their backs on the Lord and they're bowing down to the sun. So they've turned their backs on the one who created the sun and they're bowing down to this object that obviously it's a physical object. It has no heart it has no soul it has no mind it has no ability to hear your cry or help you in any way but you know this is what sin does and this is what idolatry does it it just turns us into mindless people you know the things that people who have given themselves over to idolatry the things that people believe today it's astounding how the, the idols of today have so radically blinded people's minds to just common sense and an obvious truth and error. They can't see the difference. And so it was with these. They were bowing down to the sun. He said to me, Have you seen this, son of man? is it a trivial matter for the people of Judah to do the detestable things they are doing here? Must they also fill the land with violence and continually arouse my anger? Look at them putting the branch to their nose. This phrase, putting the branch to their nose, is, it's very perplexing for translators. Nobody knows exactly what it means. And so the guess is that the idea is They're putting a branch to my nose, but not a branch, but a stench. So they become a stench in the Lord's nose because of their behavior. That's what the best guess of the Hebrew translators is. So therefore, I will deal with them in anger. I will not look on them with pity or spare them. Although they shout in my ears, I will not listen to them. Then I heard him call out in a loud voice, bring near those who are appointed to execute judgment on the city, each with a weapon in his hand. So this is all the vision that um, Ezekiel is seeing. So Ezekiel, of course, is, you know, like he said, he's suspended between heaven and earth. So he's in this place where he's, he's seeing the spiritual realm. He's seeing things that nobody else has seen. And so now what he sees is he sees These who have these weapons in their hand. I saw six men coming from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with a deadly weapon in his hand. With them was a man clothed in linen who had a writing kit at his side. They came in and they stood beside the bronze altar. So man, think about that. It's like, you know, so Ezekiel, he's viewing all of this and the people are all going about their business and engaging in their sin and their idolatry. And right in their midst are these judges that God has sent to deal with them. And they're, they're completely blind to it. It's kind of like the story of Balaam. Remember how Balaam was riding his donkey and he was trying to go to Balak. And God was angry with Balaam. So he was, he was gonna deal with him And as the donkey's going along, the angel of the Lord is standing in the road with his sword drawn, ready to take off Balaam's head. Balaam can't see him, but the donkey can see him. And so the donkey, you know, the donkey runs off the path and Balaam beats him and gets him back on the path. And then, you know, finally the donkey just, he just sits down and, you know, I'm not budging. And Balaam's yelling and screaming at the donkey. And all of a sudden, the donkey just starts talking to him. (laughs) I was reading that story this week and just thinking, how amazing. The donkey's like, look, what are you doing? Why are you beating me? I've been your donkey for a long time. Have I ever behaved like this before? No, you stupid donkey, you haven't. What are you doing? I'm going to kill you. And then suddenly, the Lord opens Balaam's eyes, and he sees the angel with a drawn sword. So... The point is, that's what's happening here. Ezekiel sees this, nobody else sees it. And so now he says, the glory of the Lord God of Israel. Now this is the beginning of the departing of the Lord from Jerusalem. So remember when Solomon dedicated the temple, the Lord descended in that dedication and there on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord had resided in the temple from that time forward.
0: And now let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource, So, Brian, we're offering a book from our good friend, Charlie Campbell.
1: Yes, Charlie Campbell is the director of Always Be Ready, which is an apologetics ministry. and One we recommend a lot. Yeah, we recommend it a lot. And this is a one-minute answer to skeptics. Now, Charlie has done this book, and this is like a revised version, answering 50 of the top objections and questions, kind of current things. You know, things change over time. different arguments and things. And what I like about this book is it's it's an updated, current, addressing a lot of the things that people are, are kind of throwing out there today as their objections to Christianity.
0: And some of the topics that Charlie covers in this is why doesn't God just appear to us in a public setting and prove he exists? Or the New Testament authors, did they steal details of Jesus' life story from other ancient religions? This is what some skeptics say. Or that the God of the Old Testament commanded the Israelites to commit genocide. Or that the Bible condoned slavery. So these are real issues in our society today. And Charlie tells you a biblical answer for these things. And it's great.
1: Yep. So great little one-minute answer to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. That's our offer for it this month.
0: Again, this month's resource is a book titled One-Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. You can order the book, One Minute Answers to Skeptics, by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it, and then click on the Donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God, by Brian Broderson. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com